Cornerstone Church of Dothan, Alabama is built on the unchanging Word of God. We believe the life-altering message of Jesus Christ is still the only power on earth of changing a human heart. Now, let's join today's message. Well, it's good to be here, isn't it? Everything is, you know what I love about this place is everything is so nice. It's bad you have to sit in the chair for five minutes before you preach because you don't want to get up out of the chair. So it's so nice. Amen. And uh, that's just kind of how heaven is, isn't it? We were praying in here as a staff, and I forgot to tell you about this, but we were praying in here. And, and while we were praying, uh, before we had our first service, it just kept coming up in my heart that this is a place where the happiness of heaven is going to be. You believe heaven is a happy place? And Jesus prayed. He said, uh, you know, right there in the, in the Lord's Prayer, he said, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's asking the Lord that he would have the same freedom to be able to do what he does in heaven, that he would have that same freedom to do it on the earth. You know, there are things that resist God's will here on the earth. People resist God's will on the earth. And, uh, and, and things try to hinder God's will on the earth. And so there has to be a freedom for God to do what he wants to do. And that's really what Cornerstone is all about. It's about ministering the word, raising people up, seeing lives that are transformed so that God can have the freedom to do what he wants to do in their life. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want to get up every day and God say, you know what, I've got freedom with him today. I can do what I want to do in his life. Amen. And that's really what the kingdom of God is all about. And so I was over there uh, in the other building, the other building, and uh, the old building. <laughs> yeah, the what? Okay. I didn't know. It's got another name now, right? CAC. And, uh, you know, the, the picture of this building is over there on the wall. And I, I came by there and I looked at that and I thought, you know, that's, that's what faith is. This church is built on faith and the message of faith. And I mean, you know, God loves faith, it pleases him when we walk in faith. And I thought, there's the picture that was over there when we came here uh, six years ago. It was on the wall. And back then it was nothing but faith. We talked about it. And that's what you do when you get in faith. You talk about it. You talk about what God wants to do, Right. You get excited about it before it ever happens. You think about it, dream about it, plan for it. And uh, uh, I don't know, could you put me a little bit more in these? I kind of hear myself like way out there somewhere. But, but uh, and then the manifestation of it gets here. And this is the manifestation of what was a seed a long time ago. Somebody needs to take a picture of you guys with that picture out in front of this church with this in the background. Wouldn't that be a good picture? Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be here. And my wife and I uh, and my daughter are so excited uh, to be in Dothan. This is home. And uh, Florida was good, but it never was home. And, uh, and we knew that the whole time. It was just like an assignment for us. But when we came back here, we thought, this is home. And it's the people that make it home, right? It's not the chairs. It's the people. And so we're, we're glad to be here. I'm walking in a brand new level of faith today because my daughter got her driver's license yeah, and today was the first day that she drove by herself to church. 
And so I thought, you know, I, I thought I knew a lot about faith. And you're like, <laughs> you forgot to tell me all about that, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's true. It, we, go from, we go from faith to faith and glory to glory, don't we? Praise the Lord. Well, turn with me tonight in your Bible to, um, uh, we'll just find a good place. We'll just, Micah. Can we start with Micah? Anybody remember Micah in the Old Testament? He's back there somewhere, right? And let's pray. And I, I want to I talk tonight, kind of had this on my heart, about getting through hard places. Anybody ever been through some hard stuff before and, uh, or, or some rough places? And uh, so let's talk about that. We're here tonight in this building because Pastor Bobby and Stephanie went through some rough places, but they got through it. Amen. It was no piece of cake to build this, this building, and, uh, and, but, you know, you go through rough places. Uh, I think I heard it when we first came here six years ago. If you're going through hell, don't stop. That's right. <laughs> go through it. So, Father, we thank you for your word tonight. It's life to those that find it health to all of our flesh. We expect nothing less than life to manifest as we engage our hearts with you, as you open our hearts to, to receive, as we receive from you tonight a word and season. And, and we do that right now, Father. We, we put our faith in you tonight. We put our hope in you tonight, in the Holy Spirit that is the one that shows us things to come and gives us revelation uh, so that we can live the life of God. And so we expect that tonight, and we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's some things I, I found out about some people that made it through some rough places. Uh, anybody know who Colonel Sanders is? You've eaten his chicken before, right? Colonel Sanders failed over a thousand times and finally succeeded at age 65. How many of you are below 65? Raise your hand. Look, most people in here are below 65. That means you got some hope. You know, Kenneth Hagin, the Bible school that we graduated from in, at Rama. you know, he didn't start Rama. He didn't really start having the impact that he had on the earth until he started Rama, and, uh, and then raising up people all over the world. He didn't start Rama until he was, what, 56, 57 years old? And uh, 65 years old, Colonel Sanders made it. Aren't you glad he made it? I am so glad <laughs> Colonel Sanders made it. Praise the Lord. Anybody ever heard of the Huffington Post? Ariana Huffington got rejected by 36 publishers before being accepted for one publication. Before, and now you've heard of the Huffington Post. Bill Gates, anybody ever heard of Bill Gates? Bill Gates watched his first company, Trafodata. What a name. He watched it crumble and become a complete disaster. George Steinbrenner, he's owner of the, one of the most profitable Major League Baseball teams in the nation, the New York Yankees. He bankrupted a team before he had the New York Yankees. Those are rough places, right? Walt Disney, one of the most creative geniuses of the 20th century, was once fired from a newspaper because he was told that he lacked creativity. That's a rough place. Aren't you glad he didn't stop right there or settle right there? We've got Disney World today. Because he, he made it through a rough place. Steve Jobs, if you've got an Apple product, hold it up. Hold it up. Anybody heard of Steve Jobs? 
he's, he's, uh, he's not around anymore. I started to say he's in heaven. I hope he's in heaven. Uh, Steve Jobs found success in his 20s when, he, when, when Apple became a massive empire. But when he was 30, Apple's board of directors, the company that he founded, decided to fire him, and he was booted out of his own company. Milton Hershey, how many of you like chocolate? Mm. Milton Hershey started three candy companies before Hershey's, and all of them failed. These are people that made it big time, but they went through some rough places. And the truth is, getting past uh, rough places is something that you have to do if you're going to succeed in life. You're going to have some rough places, but you're going to get through them. Amen? Everybody in this room tonight has an an appointment with greatness. Do you believe that? Do you believe it's just for a few, or do you believe that anybody who wants it can have greatness? God has appointed us for greatness, and uh, you got to make it through some rough places if you want to if you want to reach greatness in your life. You know, you can quit, and rough places can either do one of two things: they can either make you quit, or they can make you settle. And there's a lot of people that settle. There's a lot of people that go through hard times and they just settle. And think, well, I guess this is just all I'm going to ever do. I guess this is just all I'm going to ever be. But every person has greatness in their future. And greatness doesn't always have to be being a billionaire or a millionaire or being great on your own. But greatness can be uh, being a part of a great team. And I believe that God loves teams. Amen? And so you being faithful to a team and help making a team great. How many of you believe having a great marriage at the end of your life, your marriage was great, that's greatness. That's being a part of a team, right? And, and, uh, and you can have that. But for a lot of people, you know, greatness is going to be a successful marriage, a healthy body. That's greatness. And how many of you know Jesus wants your body healthy? He died and took blows on his body so that you could be healed. He wants your body uh, to, be, to be healthy. And you think about this, the, uh, ultimately you finishing your course, ultimately you running your race is going to come down to how much energy you've got at the end of your life. Amen? Energy. Those of you that are, that are in your senior years, you can testify to that, that it's important and Jesus wants you to be to be healthy, and, and greatness is having a healthy body. Greatness could be leaving your grandchildren an inheritance, not just your children, but the Bible says that a, a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. How many of you like to leave your grandchildren a few hundred grand, amen? And, uh, it, or, or a spiritual legacy or these things like that. Les Brown said this, motivational speaker Les Brown. Have you ever heard him before? I love his speeches. He said, you, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. You don't have to be great to start, but you have to start. You have to make it through some hard times. You have to make it through some rough places. And, and I know you've made it through some rough places. We've made it through some rough places. And, you know, not to be a prophet of doom and gloom, but you're going to have some more rough places. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You know, people that, you know, that are against, you know, bad confessions, they forgot about that one. Jesus said that one. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to, oh, Jesus, don't make a bad confession. No, Jesus knows about confession. How many of you believe he, he invented that stuff? 
And Jesus said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He didn't say drink good beer. He said, be of good cheer. (laughs) I've overcome the world. Amen? That's not going to help you get through rough times, but the power of God will. So let me give you a few things and and uh, about making it through rough places. This is not everything, but it's a few things I think that'll help you make it through some rough places. Maybe you're going through some right now. Maybe some of you here tonight, you've got some hard stuff that you're going through. Well, this is going to be a message in season for you. I believe that. Number one, always remember God allows mistakes. I didn't say God loves mistakes, but I did say God allows mistakes. He's all right with it. He doesn't fall off the throne when you make a mistake. When you mess up, God doesn't look at that and go, why didn't somebody tell me about that? I I didn't know this was going to happen. No, God knew that you were going to mess up years before you messed up. Amen? Didn't catch him by surprise. But here's the good news. God allows mistakes. All of these people, have you ever looked at some of the people in the Bible and the mistakes that were in their life? You ever look at David's life? David had some mistakes. I mean, some huge failures, big moral failures. But he's, he's the, the greatest king that ever lived in the Old Testament, man after God's own heart. You know, Moses had some mistakes. And all these men of God, they had Paul in the New Testament. He had some mistakes. And God allows mistakes. And here's the thing about it. See, we, we kind of get this idea in our mind about what God requires, and we think that it's a life free from, from, from mess-ups and free from mistakes. And here's the thing. God allows mistakes. Listen to this in Micah. You're right there in, in chapter 7 and verse 18. Micah seven eighteen. It says, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain anger forever. Aren't you glad? Watch this. Because he delights in mercy. I want you to think about that for a minute. Mercy, you know, people get mercy and grace mixed up. And they're not the same thing. They're far, you know, they're they're big time different from each other. Grace is the power that God gives you that enables you to be who he's made you to be and do what he's called you to do. It's really the power of the Holy Spirit. It's really the anointing. It's what God gives you to enable you to do something. But mercy is when God shows you favor when you've made mistakes. Mercy is about mistakes. Mercy is when you've messed up. You need grace to do something. You need mercy when you've blown it. Anybody ever blown it? Y'all looking at me like, I don't know if I should answer that one or not. We know. And most of all, God knows. We've blown it at times. Some of you blew it today. And I'm not prophesying. I'm just, I just know human nature, right? Some of you have messed up this week, royally this week. Some of you, you've messed up not just one time, but for the 93rd time in the same area. That's what mercy's for. And I want you to get what it says right here, that, that God, your Father, delights in mercy. 
Now, there are certain foods that I like, but there are certain foods that I delight in. I love Cajun food. I love spicy hot food. I delight in that. I like shrimp. We were just talking before the service about scallops. Anybody love scallops? I, I, I could eat my weight in those things. I just love them. I delight in that. Now, I like chicken. I like fish, stuff like that. But scallops and shrimp, I delight in that. I could wallow in it. Amen. I like to eat them and peel them and get them on my hands so that six hours later you can still smell them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I delight in that. Now think about that when you think about God. Because some people, when it comes to God and God forgiving and, and God showing people mercy, a lot of people think God is like the God that, that he'll do it, but he does it with a, with a look on his face and with an attitude of, okay. All right. Almost kind of like you have to twist his arm to do it, you know? You got you to gotta approach his throne just right. You got to kind of crawl up in there in a real, you know, super humble way. And you got to kind of, you know, edge up to the throne and, and talk with a real low voice and, and just plead with him to get him to do it. No, this scripture says he loves to do it. God loves to be merciful. Now, God doesn't love it when you miss it. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, when you sin, he doesn't go, yay. No, he, but after, when you're going through the condemnation and, and, and you're going through the guilt and all of those things that are, that are eating away at your faith and causing you to draw back from him, God loves to step into that situation and be merciful and show you mercy, not with the look not with the, and the attitude, but God loves to show people mercy. Is that what it says? Listen to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. He says, for I, Hebrews 8, 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Does that sound like he says that kind of with an attitude, you know, of not really wanting to do it, but I'll do it. Because you need it. No. He loves it. He loves to do it. How many of you understand that's a challenge in raising your kids? To, to not just do good things for them, to, but to convey to, your heart, to their heart, from your heart, that I want to do this. And I'm not doing this because you've been the perfect kid. I'm doing this because I just love you so much, and I want you to experience that love. That's your father. Amen? He loves to show mercy. And you know, one of the biggest parts about, uh, you know, God showing mercy is not the hard part. I mean, God's going to do that. Whether you receive it or not, that's up to you. He loves to give it, whether you receive it or not. But you got to learn to show mercy to yourself if you're going to get through rough places. Amen? Because some, sometimes when you miss it, it does feel like you've, you know, this is not the first time I've done this. This is, you know, this is like the 20th time that I've gone to God and, 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 and had a talk with him about this. And so many times we think once you get past a certain number, then God does start giving you the look. But he doesn't. Amen? There is no 20th time in God. There is no 93rd time in God. Because he says here, 
I won't remember that anymore. So when you, do, when you miss it and you blow it and you need mercy and you go to God, what's he going to do? He's going to give it to you, and he's going to give it to you how? Delighting in it with a smile on his face. Of course I will. Of course I'll be merciful to you. Of course I'll help you. Of course I'll give you grace so that next time you'll have more power and strength to overcome it. And you're going to get this. You're going you're to get good at this. You're going to overcome this. I mean, God is the best coach and, and, and spiritual help you've ever had. He wants you to make it. Amen? And he's got power for you to make it. He loves being merciful. But it's hard for God to do that with some people. Did you know that? Is it hard for God to do something? Yeah. It's hard for God to give mercy to people who won't receive it. And to receive mercy, you've got to get good at forgiving yourself. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, you know that scripture probably. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new what? Creature. Old things have what? Passed away and all things are now new. New. Now that's not just talking about the moment you get born again. That's talking about constantly. You're in a state of newness. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. So, and, and that doesn't mean they get old for 24 hours and then he renews them again. It means that they're always new. It's just a term that, he, that he's using there to describe the mercy of God, that, that it never runs out and it never gets weak and it never gets old, that his mercies are always there. And when you, when you, when you come to the place to where you understand the mercy of God, you will fall in love with Jesus. It won't, it won't make you abuse it. I mean, if you want to abuse the mercy of God, it's because your heart is messed up. But when you really see the mercy of God, you'll fall in love with Jesus. You'll love him. You'll appreciate it. You, you'll you'll want to honor him. You'll want to draw closer to him when you really see how merciful he is. But it's hard for God to get his mercy to a person who doesn't see themselves as deserving it. Now, you don't deserve it because of what you've done. You deserve it because of what Jesus did. It's all based on him, never based on you. Come on, somebody. It's always based on him. It's never based on you. You'll never go to the throne of God and God say, well, just, just a minute. Let me, let me check things out before I give you the mercy. We need to do a background check here. And we need to find out what's been going on in your life. That's not what God does. The Bible says in James chapter 1 that, that if any man lacks wisdom, let him... Let him ask of God who gives liberally, is what the King James says, and upbraideth not. That's kind of a word that we don't use very much, upbraideth not. But what does that mean when God gives you something without upbraiding you? Look at the Greek. It actually means that God gives you something without checking your life out to see if you deserve it first. That's the nature and the heart of God is to just give and give and give. He doesn't, you don't come to God and say, God, I need this. And God said, well, hang on a minute. Will, will you angels go and check and see what's been going on in their life? No, when you come to God and you ask in faith, in the name of Jesus, based on what he did, God gives you right there. Amen. And, and, and the, the way that we see that, even in the Old Testament, is when, when Israel would bring an offering to the Lord. See, a lot of people 
think that they have to bring an offering to the Lord today. Not a sheep or a lamb, but a lot of people bring repentance as an offering to the Lord. Your repentance is good for you, but your repentance is not for God. Because God doesn't look at anything you bring when you need something from him. God doesn't look. Now listen to me, and don't make me say something I'm not saying. But God doesn't look at anything you bring to see if you deserve what you need from him except your faith in the finished work of Jesus. He doesn't doesn't look at how much you're repenting to see if you deserve it. Repentance is for you. It's to turn your heart to a place to where you can receive the mercy of God. And it's important. And we should repent. We should go to God and, and, and repent so that our heart can really be in a place to receive the mercy that he's giving. But you got to be careful about what you're trying to bring God to entice him to give you what you need. Because God only looks at one thing. Everybody say one thing. He looks at one thing. He looks at your faith, your belief in the, the fullness of what Jesus accomplished so that you could have what you, what you can have today. Amen? Just the finished work of Jesus. In the Old Testament, when they'd bring a lamb, they'd come, you know, and, and the person had sinned or the family had sinned. That's why they had to bring the lamb. And so when they would bring the lamb to the high priest, they'd bring the lamb in there. Do you know the high priest never inspected the person who brought the lamb? Never. They only inspected the lamb. The lamb had to be without blemish. It had to be without spot. It had to be perfect. It had to be the best that they had. It had to, like Keith Moore was talking about. Wasn't that good when he was here talking about that? And, and you know, the, the offering that Abel brought was the best of the flock. And so the, they'd come and the high priest would inspect that. And if the lamb was worthy, then they were accepted. John saw Jesus coming when he was baptizing people in the Jordan. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. See, there's only one thing that the high priest looks at when you come to him, and that is the Lamb. God looks at Jesus. So when when you receive from God, you receive because of faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's why when we pray, we pray in the name of God of Jesus, because we want God to look at the lamb. We don't want him to look at us. We've got failures and faults and hang-ups and habits. Really, the Bible calls them sins. (laughs) We call them issues today, but they're just sins. And you know, how many of you, you got got some sins that you struggle with every once in a while? We're going to see how many people are honest in here. We're going to pray for a liar. How many of you, come on now, you know what I'm talking about. I only have problems with the sins that I like. I don't have problems with things that I hate to do. I got problems with the things that I like to do. Amen? And when I do those things and I go to God, I go to him and say, Father, the lamb is worthy. The lamb took this on himself so that I could be free from this. And so I'm coming for two things today. I'm coming, number one, for mercy. And I know you love to give it, and I'm here to receive it. 
And I'm coming number two for grace. How many of you know the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace, that you may obtain two things, mercy and grace in time of need. When you miss it, you need grace to overcome, strength so that you don't try to do it in your own strength, and you need mercy. God's showing you favor when you don't deserve it. And he loves that. But back to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Actually, if you read the context of 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it's talking about how you should treat other people. When it says, if any man be in Christ, he's talking about your brothers and sisters. Because he just got through saying, don't know people after the flesh, but know them after the spirit. Don't, don't know one another after the, their personality or, or what they've done in their past, but know them after the spirit. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So I have to treat you as if your past doesn't exist. And I have to treat you, even though I may not like your personality, I have to see past that and see that you're a person that's in Christ and Christ is in you and you've got the potential to bring something powerful into my life. And if I'm ever going to tap in to the, the power of the body of Christ, then we can't judge one another after the flesh. We've got to judge one another after the spirit and how powerful you are in the spirit. I have to believe that. I have to see that so that when I'm around you, I don't just get your personality. I want what you got on the inside. I want Jesus in you. Amen? But here's the thing about it. How can you treat people like that if you don't treat yourself like that? How can I treat somebody after the Spirit as if their past doesn't exist if I'm not willing, first of all, to accept that about myself? My past doesn't exist. God has been merciful to me and given me grace. Amen. And I'm doing a whole lot better today than I was 20 or 30 years ago. Amen. And so first of all, you've got to understand, if you're going to get past rough places, you've got to understand that Jesus, God, allows mistakes. Hallelujah. If you love that, say amen. If you've, if you've needed that before, say amen. Amen. I downloaded this new operating system on this thing today. There it is. And it's different. Number two, learn the art of forgetting. Learn the art of forgetting. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to wrap this up with this scripture. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. You've read it before. But understand that God allows mistakes. Your mistakes are not going to keep you from getting through these rough places. Can't. It can only if you quit. Your mistakes can only hinder you if you settle. And then number two, learn the art of forgetting. Philippians 3.12. Paul says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Everybody say forgetting. And reaching, say reaching. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14, I press, say press. Forgetting, reaching, and pressing, he says. I press toward the goal of the prize 
of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, forgetting, if you're going to get if you're going to get good at something, get good at forgetting. You'll get along with people a lot better. If you'll just forget some things, right? Husbands, you'll get along with your wives a lot better if you learn the power of forgetting. Wives, same thing. Children get along better with their parents if they don't hold on to things that they've been through. A lot of people walk in defeat. A lot of people are sick, constantly sick, constantly go through the same thing over and over again, cycle, cycles of defeat in their life because they won't forget stuff. They won't let stuff go. And the Bible says that we can forget. Now, the word forget here doesn't mean, and this is the good news, it doesn't mean to totally erase something from your mind. Because when we read that, we think, well, if I forget something, that means I won't ever remember it again, right? Wrong. It's translated into a word that we use, and we, uh, the word forget in the English language, but it's a Greek word that's translated forget. Forget is really the closest word that they can get to it. So it's translated forget. So when we read it, we think that we're not going to remember it anymore, but actually the original Greek word does not mean to erase it from your memory. It's a Greek word, and I'll try to pronounce it. It really doesn't make any difference how it's pronounced, but I'll try. It's called epilanthonomai. That makes me sound smart, at least. (laughs) And here's what it means in the Greek. It means to neglect something. It means to no longer care for something. Now think about that. When Paul said, I forget those things that are behind me, he's saying, I neglect them. I no longer care about them. And here's here's the power that unforgiveness holds in a person's life is when they nurture something. When you nurture something that's happened to you, you're either neglecting it or you're nurturing it. One of the two. You're either neglecting something now, what does it mean when you neglect something? You ever, you ever have a room in your house or a place in your house and you neglect it? You know, if you've got a room in your house you neglect, maybe you shut the door and you don't go in there hardly anymore. And what happens in that room? Dust starts to settle. Cobwebs may form, you know. It just, it's just you can walk in there and tell they don't care about this room. You can walk in there and tell they don't ever go in here. And this is the Greek word that's translated forget. It's a place that you refuse to go into anymore. It's a place that you refuse to care for anymore. Now, when you care for something, you nurture it, don't you? Take care of it. You massage it, right? When, when, some, when a place on your body is hurting, maybe you hurt your arm, what is the, what is the immediate response to pain? is you want to nurture that. And that's good if it's pain in your body. But when people do things to you and cause pain in your life, you've got to do something different. You can't nurture it. You can't massage it. You can't keep going over it again and again. You've got to shut the door on that room. And you've got to let the dust settle and the cobwebs form, and you just got to refuse to go in there anymore. See, forgetting something doesn't mean that you you. You, you lose the ability to recall it anymore. Because how many of you know things that people have done in your life to you, to me, maybe years and years ago, we can still recall them. 
I mean, when a husband and wife go through hard times and maybe one of them's unfaithful to the other, they, they have the ability to recall that for the rest of their life. But a husband and wife that makes it through rough places like that is a husband and wife that agrees we're not going to go in that room anymore. We're not going to allow each other to go in that room anymore. And how do you go into a room? You go into a room with your thoughts. That's where it all starts is you, you nurture that. You think about that. You think on that. Yeah, they did that to me. I remember, when they, I remember how I felt when they did it to me. And I'll tell you what, I could kill them today. You just walked in the room, and the Bible says, if you're going to get through rough places, Paul said, one thing that I do is I forget. There are things that are going to happen in my life that I'm going to close the door on, and I refuse to go in there anymore. There are things that happen, or maybe not people that, that did anything to you. Maybe it's just something that you went through that you just are glad you're through it. How many of you have ever been through something and you learned something through it, you know? And, and you're thankful for what you learned through it, but you don't want to go through it anymore. You know, you, those are the things that you need to close the door on. And quit visiting those things. And quit trying to figure that out. And was that God or was that not God? Or why did that happen? I just can't figure that out. Yeah, you know, like Keith said, I think he said this this week. In, in so many things that we get past, so many rough places that we get past, the question is never why. The question is, what are you going to do when you don't or can't figure out why? Are you going to keep going in that room? Or are you just going to shut the door on that thing and say, you know what? You know, there are two places in the Bible where the apostle Paul said that he judged himself. He talked about judging yourself. One place he says, and it goes into communion, and he says that we need to judge ourselves. You know, we need to examine ourselves. We need to, we need to lay out the facts of the finished work of Jesus and lay out the facts of what we're going through and judge ourselves to be uh, according, uh, judge ourselves to be in Christ. Judge ourselves to be healed. When you're sick, you have to judge yourself to be healed. Amen? When, when you're struggling with something, you've got to judge yourself to be righteous. But did you know there's another place where Paul talked about judging? When he used this term, he said, I judge not even myself. One, he's talking about his personal life. The other, he's talking about ministry and different things that the Lord has called him to do. And here's what I found out. There are things that God has told Lisa and I to do. One time he told us to go and pastor a church in Alabama, and we were there for a very, very short time. And we came back, and we knew that we followed our heart. We knew we were praying, praying in the Spirit. We had other people praying, and, and we, we felt led to do this, and we went and did it, and we, and, we, and we came away from it. And when you looked at it in the natural, it didn't look like something that God called you to do in the natural. But we know that God, you know, dealt with our heart about things, and we had prophetic words and, and had some pathetic words too, but we had some good words and some bad words, and and. You know, and, and we knew that God told us to do it, but when you try to make sense out of it in your head, it doesn't make sense. There are things that you're going to do as you're obeying God, they're not going to always look like you obeyed God. I mean, you know, when God told Paul to go to Rome and he got shipwrecked in the middle of the ocean, that was a perfect time to say, we missed God. But did he miss God? No, he didn't miss God. He was right in the middle of the will of God. So Paul said, concerning some of these things, you're going to have to walk away from some of those things and go, you know what, I'm not going to judge that. I judge not even myself in that area. 
Because it's hard to get through places if you nurture those things and dwell on those things and you keep going into that room. Amen? Learn the art of forgetting. It's a choice you make. Shut the door and don't go in the room anymore. If you're going to make it through that rough place, you're going to have to forsake that thing. You're going to have to neglect that thing. Amen? You're not going to figure everything out in this life. There are going to be things in this life that are mysterious. There are going to be things in this life that you don't understand. God never said he would reveal everything to you. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy that says the secret thing belongs to the Lord. But that which is revealed belongs to the sons of men. God never said he would tell us everything. Anybody besides me ever asked God something and you didn't get anything? God was just quiet. Those are the times you're going to have to walk in faith. Amen? Here's the third thing. The practice, learn the practice of reaching. Paul said, I forget. And then he said, I reach. I reach. I reach forward to those things which are ahead. Reach means to stretch out towards. Now, here's the thing about, about God. And I'll make this statement, and I'm not trying to put any condemnation on anybody. But you should not be in the same place you were 10, 20 years ago. You should be in a different place. And I'm, not, I'm not saying that condemning anybody. But here's the thing about God. To get through rough places and to grow in God, you've got not only to forget the things and shut the door on some things, but you've got to reach towards some things. This is not a life where we just get stagnant and get comfortable, but it's a life that we grow from glory to glory, faith to faith. We, we increase, and, and no matter what gift and talent you have, you should be increasing in that. If you're a musician, you should not play the same that you played 10 years ago. Amen. If, if you're anointed in another area, you should be increasing. But here's how you increase. Here's how you get God's grace, his power, to help you in what you're doing. You've got to reach. You've got to stretch towards some things. You know, I love this, and this is really what church is all about. Church is a place that, that facilitates transformation in people. It really is. It's just a place where we gather together so that your life can be transformed and you can glorify God in the earth. Amen? It's, just a, it's, just, it's really kind of like a service station. You come in, and, but we, we facilitate transformation. When Pastor Bobby gets up here and preaches, you know why he's preaching? To facilitate transformation in your life. And he's heard from God. He's prayed and got a word from God. And that word is designed to facilitate transformation in your life. And here's the thing about transformation. It, it ain't comfortable. I don't even know what I'm talking about. When God's growing you, there are some uncomfortable places in transformation. The word transformation is the word metamorphosis. Uh, metamorpho, we get metamorphosis from it, and it's that process of a caterpillar to a butterfly, you know. And, it, and it's, it's, sometimes it's dark. You know, they say that that caterpillar, when he spins that womb, that, that cocoon around himself, that he practically liquefies on the inside of that, of that cocoon. It comes out a butterfly, but if you open it up early, it's ugly and nasty looking. And sometimes transformation can feel like that. And here's the thing about transformation and growing in God. You should be challenged into some uncomfortable places. 
Amen. Church shouldn't be a place that we come into where we just hear great, nice, sweet messages all the time that just talk about how, how you know, healed you are and blessed you are and all those things. But church should challenge you. I don't want to go to a church that doesn't challenge me. I want to go to a church that says, hey, you've been there a, a good while now. Start reaching for something else. Stretch. Reach. You know, and when you don't exercise a lot, like, like me, you can look at me and tell I don't, I'm not the best at exercise right now. It's just a season. <laughs> you know, just let me have my season, okay? Uh, but when you don't exercise and, you, and, you, and you're not very mobile, when you start reaching, it hurts. When you don't stretch and you start stretching, it hurts. How many have ever done yoga before? I used to think yoga was for sissies. Some of you still do. I can tell by the way you look. You ever done it before? How many of you ever done yoga before? I know we've got a bunch of redneck country people in here. You know, I ain't doing no yoga. If you try it, it hurts. I'm not talking about putting your head behind your neck, and I'm, that would hurt me really bad if I did that. But I mean, just some of the positions you get in because you're not used to doing that, and it hurts. It's uncomfortable. Here, here's my point. Reaching is uncomfortable. Growing, when you've been the same for a long time, it's not fun. I moved to Russia, Lisa and I did for a few months uh, several years ago, and I decided to start studying the Russian language and I got over there and went to college, you know, in Moscow, and uh, and got in the, these classes where you're you're studying the language for like four to six hours a day. I hadn't studied since high school, and I didn't do a whole lot of it then. But I got over there, and for the first three weeks, my brain was like mush. I'd come home, and I didn't want anybody to talk to me. Why? Because I, I hadn't been in that environment for a long time. Eventually. Is like getting in physical shape. You can get in mental shape and, and, and your endurance increases. But when, you're, when Paul said, I reach, when I hear that, I think of some times that aren't going to be real comfortable. Amen? Some of you need to reach. Let's facilitate a little transformation tonight. Amen? You've been in that place a little too long. You need to get out start reaching and stretching. Believe in God for some bigger things and some greater things and, 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 and doing some, some significant things for the kingdom of God. Amen? And, and, and get involved and do some things and, and reach. But here's the good news about reaching. Whatever you reach and you lay hold of, you can have. You can absolutely have it. Amen? Learn the practice of reaching. And then here's the last thing. Learn the discipline of pressing. Pressing. When I think of pressing, I don't even like that as much as I do reaching because it sounds hard, doesn't it? When I think of pressing, I think about ironing something that's got a lot of wrinkles in it. I, I, I iron clothes too. And you, know, you ever iron something that's like 100% cotton and you put it in the dryer and it's like all wrinkles and you got to press that thing. And it, you know, you just can't run the iron over it. You got to, it's work. And Paul said, I forget, I shut the door on some things, I reach for some things, and I press. That means I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep doing it. There's a scripture in 1 Peter that talks about how the blood of Jesus has redeemed you. He says this, 
knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. You read that before? Here's what the rest of it says. From your aimless conduct. He's talking about your old life, your past life before you came to Jesus. He said your life was a life that didn't have any aim. And you've been redeemed from a life that has no aim. Here's living in the kingdom is a life with aim. You, you, there are things that we should be shooting for. There are things that we should be aiming at and, and reaching out and touching. And if you're going to make it past rough places, and you absolutely can, it's not by your own power or strength, but here's some things that you got to do in cooperating with the grace of God. And by the way, let me just put a plug in for this series that on good or God. I've been studying grace for a long time. I've never heard anybody with the greatest balance of the message of grace like I heard in this series with John Bevere. It is outstanding. That's just a little plug. But if you're going to make it through these hard places, and you can, cooperate with the grace of God and shut the door on some, on some things. Quit nurturing those things and start reaching. Set your faith on some things. Believe God for some things. It's amazing how we can get in places where we find ourselves, and I've been there many times. We find ourselves that we're just not believing God for anything. We're just kind of cruising. We're not trusting him for greater increase, and we're not trusting him for uh, increase in this church. And Lord, we want to see every seat filled. We want to open up a new parking lot. We want to put those other chairs up there. We want to, we want to pack this place out. Why? Because we want to see lives transformed. We want to see Dothan reached. We want to see this, this community reached and rocked with the power of God. And we want to see Jesus glorified in this place. We want people to leave this place shaking their head, just going, I don't know what just happened, but God, I thank you for what you just did in my life. That's what we want to happen in this church. Amen? Well, let's believe God for some of these things. And, and uh, if you're like me, sometimes I just kind of have to snatch myself out of an old rut and say, you know what? You're not trusting God for anything. Believe God. For, set your faith on some things. Reach for some things. Because here's the good news. Whatever you believe that you receive when you pray, you'll have it. But if you don't ever reach out there and grab something, you'll never have it. We believe you are blessed by this message today, and we encourage you to stay in God's Word. Cornerstone's mission is to be actively involved in the Great Commission by raising up and equipping a body of believers who are empowered with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God for the purpose of impacting those people around them with the love and goodness of God. For more information about Cornerstone Church and other resources that are available to assist you in your spiritual growth, contact our office at 334-983-1848 or visit us online at ccdothan.org.